But let's be honest, when God doesn't do things in your time and your way, what do we usually tend to do? Take it back out of His hands, we try to fix it, we try to work on it, we try to do what we're what we think we can do, and then we keep crying out, God, why don't you do something? It's like, I keep trying, but you keep taking it back. If we're not careful, we only trust God when we really don't need to trust Him. Trust comes when we're at the end of us. Trust comes, and I hope you hear this, trust comes when you're doing everything right and it still goes wrong. Trust comes when it hurts even though you've been doing what God has asked you to do. Trust comes when you have not done the wrong thing and people come against you and it feels like the wrong thing. And you trust God. Trust comes when your heart is broken and you feel like you've got nothing left and you still trust God. It's easy to trust God when the sun is out and everything's going your way, and that's why I say it requires no trust. But how do you trust God when everything you've been doing that He said you should do seems like it ends up wrong, seems like it ends up in pain, seems like it ends up with friction? Will you trust Him then? Will you do what you're supposed to do? That's the big question. That's that's what He's been asking all of eternity is, When I ask you to trust me, it's not when the good times are coming. That's easy. When you've conquered your giants and you're moving in the land and everything's flowing good, it's easy to trust. How about when it's not so easy? How about when you don't feel like it? How about when you've got lots of resistance? How about when it seems like the world and even your friends have turned on you? Because I've actually heard people say this, and I I won't count them as Christians, But if God can't help me get out of fill-in-the-blank, what good is He? Can I tell you what good He is? Is that He has what claimed salvation and eternity for us. He has never promised us a smooth life. He has never promised us it's going to be easy. In fact, Jesus Himself said, I know there's going to be trouble. There's going to be trouble in this world. But don't worry about that. I have overcome the world, but that doesn't mean that you still won't have trouble, right? See, if we don't read that right, it's like, oh, I don't have to worry about trouble. He's overcome trouble. No, He's overcome trouble. But now we have to allow ourselves to become more than a conqueror, which means we have to fight through things. There's no way to be a conqueror unless you're facing something, right? And that's what makes it hard. We don't like confrontation. We don't like it when it gets sticky. We don't like it when it gets hard. We don't like it when we feel pressured. But that's when God and the Holy Spirit shows up to make us more than us. We want it easy. And in doing so, it it reduces His glory and puts the pressure back on me instead of saying, Lord, I've followed Your Word. I've done what You said. It doesn't matter the results. I'm going to trust You because You said to trust You. And we talked a little bit about this last week when we were talking through Joshua, and Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 came up, and trust in the Lord with all your heart, and don't lean on your own understanding. That means don't put any weight on it. Why? Because it's feeble. It'll break. 
in all of your ways, acknowledge Him. Think about that. When things are going down, when it seems like it's sliding back, when it seems like nothing's getting done, in all your ways, acknowledge Him, and then He will direct your path. I think there's too many times where we get distracted, even by our own success, that we follow other paths, and He says, hey, I want you to follow the path I've set for you because I know where that path leads. That path leads to life. That path leads to me. That path leads to hope. Because when you're on your own path, who knows where that path ends up? Your power, your thinking is so much smaller than Him. And this morning I want to talk about uh, dealing with difficult people. And in the Bible, if you've, if you've ever read it, there's a lot of difficult situations. And this one today, it's from the Old Testament. If you want to turn there, we're going to be at Genesis chapter 26. But there's lots of things that may be difficult for us, but the most difficult things we deal with is the person in the mirror and other people. The most difficult things that we deal with is, number one, the person in the mirror, and then other people. And maybe you've been there. You're, you're tired, you're emotional, you're stressed, you're anxious, and there just seems to be able to find that one person that comes into your life that it takes a huge act of faith to not just strangle the life out of them, even, even though they deserve it. <laughs> They've been on your last nerve. They've, they didn't realize what was going on. They said the wrong thing. Or maybe they're just clueless and they're, they just spoke and, and it went right to your heart and it hurt you. And those things can either sideline you or back you up or make you say, I'm through with people, I'm through with church, I'm through with this nonsense. Or you keep going forward saying, okay, God, I can get through this with you. I can, I can, I can do this with you because there are things we can't get through. There are things that we were never designed to get through. That's why we need God. And so we're going to read some passages this morning and, and learn from a man named Isaac. If you don't know who Isaac is, this is the second son of Abraham. He's the son of promise. Abraham is now dead. Isaac's been established. He's been living in a foreign land, and he's been living around a very, uh, uh, I would say, good, but he's a, a pagan ruler named Abimelech. And and everything that it seems like Isaac does prospers. But not because of Isaac, it's because of God. God decided to bless Isaac because of his relationship with Abraham. So we pick it up here in verse 12. Isaac sowed in that land, and he reaped that same year, and he reaped a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Notice who blessed him. Did you know that God wants to bless you this morning? Have you even thought about that? Does God really want to bless me? Yes. Yes, He does. But can I also tell you He won't bless disobedience? He won't bless double-mindedness? He won't bless you when you're ignoring Him? He won't bless you just because you're doing it the way you're doing it. He blesses you when you line up with His Word and then the blessing comes, and He's blessed to bless you. Notice that. He sowed what He normally sowed, but this time, He 
brought in a hundred times more than he did before. And it said the Lord blessed him. Let's move on. Verse 13. That man Isaac began to prosper and he continued prospering until he became very prosperous. Now that sounds like a good plan, right? But who's doing the prospering? God. We've got to remember that, church. God's the one that brings us prosperity because he knows what we can handle. When we chase prosperity, it changes and perverts our heart. But God knows, hey, if they'll just follow me, and then I begin to bless them, I begin to prosper them, and I see how they handle it, and they handle it good, I can give them more, and I can give them more. And we're not just talking about money. There's lots of ways to be prosperous, right? One of the best ways to be prosperous is a relationship with God. Because that will last for eternity. Your money, your clothes, your house, all that stuff, that goes away when you die. You don't get to take it with you. So guess what? The relationships that we have, the depth of the Spirit, our prayer lives, those are the things that can be prosperous, what the Bible would call be rich in the Lord. He wants us to have that. Now, he's just giving us some examples here. Now, look at this. He began prospering, became very prosperous. He had possession of lots of flocks, possessions of herds, a great number of servants. Look at this. The man is, is, is rolling in the dough. But look what happens. The Philistines envied him. Now, I'll just, if you haven't read the story, I'll just give you the brief history. It's pretty easy. Israel and the Philistines have hated each other forever. <laughs> but for whatever reason, God keeps them kind of in proximity to each other. Wherever they go, they seem to find each other. And wherever you find the people of Israel, pretty soon there's people of the Philistines around them. And so they're kind of there together. There's, there's no established warfare. He's been there for a while. But notice what happens. Pretty soon they start to take notice. What's up with this guy? How come he's doing so good? How come all of his flocks seem to prosper? How come all of his herds seem to prosper? How come when he plants, he seems to get more, more, more uh, uh, crops than we do? How come people just want to work? Look at all the servants that he's got. Look at the guy just can't lose. And can I tell you, you're going to find people like this that when God begins to prosper you, people are going to get upset. When God moves on your life and blesses you, people are going to be upset. Now, they may say, oh, isn't that sweet? But in their heart, you know what some of them are saying? Why can't I get that? You don't deserve that. And there are people designed, for whatever reason, whether it's how they grew up, whatever, that they're designed to rain on your parade. (laughs) They're designed to drag you down. They're designed to say, well, the only reason he's prospering is because It can't be that God's just blessing you. It can't be that you're living a righteous life. It can't be that you're anointed. It can't be that your ministry, that your life, that your family is lined up in perfect goodness with God and His Word, and that brings the blessing. It can't be that. There's something going on. They're cheating. There's something happening. Can I tell you, you're going to encounter those kind of people all the time. But our job is we keep our eyes on God. Because as soon as we get pulled into all that mess, pretty soon... Conflict starts. And I want to lay down a base here of of what Jesus said over in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. It was pretty simple. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. 
Now, in a world where it seems like everybody's offended, in a world where everybody thinks that everybody else wants their opinion, in a world where we can rant and rave on social media and never say the things out loud to a person because we know we get socked in the nose, it seems like nobody wants to be a peacemaker. There's a lot of shaming going on. There's a lot of bigotry going on. There's a lot of finger-pointing going on. But can I tell you, that is not for us as Christians. We are supposed to be peacekeepers. And it doesn't mean we don't tell the truth and live the truth, but our job is not to get engaged in debates and stand across from somebody pointing fingers, poking chest, pushing, pushing, pushing. That's not what God has called us to do because that creates conflict and that will affect how somebody else sees God. If the, if the word offends, let it offend. But don't you be the offender. And we've always got the opportunity. Well, you don't know what they said to me. It doesn't matter what they said to you. That's part of the difficulty of dealing with difficult people is you've got to learn to keep your mouth shut. See, there's another side of peacekeeping. Have you ever said, I'm going to hold my peace? You know what that means? I'm not going to say anything. Wouldn't that be a wonderful new way that we could learn in America? But as soon as there's a microphone, as soon as there's a platform, as soon as there's a page to type on, we feel like we just got to let everybody know how we're feeling. I don't want to know how you're feeling. I don't want to know what you ate for breakfast. And I'm not saying you can't do that or that it's a sin, but this was not normal con- uh, conversation before social media. Did you know that? Two guys that met at Denny's for coffee, back when coffee was 25 cents a cup, you didn't pay five fifteen at Starbucks. The two guys didn't sit there, and one guy didn't pull out his Polaroid camera with the flash cube <laughs> and take a picture of his breakfast and they say, hey, Bob, look what I ate. A, he couldn't show him the picture in the first place because you got to take it to a place and two weeks later you get your film back. Look how far we've traveled. But it would have been ridiculous. And if that's you, nobody's stopping you. It's a free world, mostly. But really, aren't there more important things that we can engage people in? And it seems like we're dancing around the really important topics to talk about stuff that doesn't matter to anybody else. And it's not making us better. We're not getting the gospel out. We're not evangelizing better. We've got neighbors closer than we've ever had them before, and we don't know them, and we don't want to know them. And the world is changing. And just because we've got access to millions on social media doesn't make us more people friendly. You know how we become more people friendly? We actually talk and interact with people. We ask them how things are going in their life. Face to face is usually a good thing. And it's beautiful that we can talk to people in faraway places. I'm, I'm glad for that technology. But I'm telling you, you live most of your life here. But do you know the people around you? Do you even want to know the people around you? And the problem is, 
if we're not careful, we start to pull back because life and people and society is becoming difficult. And how do I deal with people that aren't like me? Blessed are the peacemakers. Moving on. The Philistines now envied him. They've got something going. Can I tell you that the internal problem will pretty soon become an external problem? He had possessions of flocks and numbers. The Philistines envied. Now the Philistines had stopped up all the well which his father servants. That was Abraham had dug in the days of Abraham his father. And they had filled them in with dirt. Now listen. Abraham took all that time. And Abraham was a very prosperous man anyway. But when he moved on, the Philistines had a gripe with him all the time. And they came along and they said, we're sick of this guy. We're sick of everything that happened. And they filled in the wells. Now, I hope you can get this. All of these people lived in a desert. It's not like they walked to a tap. Why would you ruin a perfectly good water source? Envy. Heart problem. Well, if Abraham dug it, we're not drinking that water. Fill it in. And it's the same attitude that can happen in our life. You can't give somebody praise for their new promotion, and it's a heart issue. You have to feel like you have to fill in their well. They filled in the wells with earth. Abimelech said to Isaac, look at this. Remember, it started on the inside with envy. Now look at what Abimelech says. It's time for you to go. You're, you're more powerful than we are. You're bigger than we are. I, we don't know how to deal with you. You make us nervous. We don't like what we see happening with you. It's time for you to go. And it would have been a great time for Isaac to remind Abimelech what he said up in verses 10 and 11, which was, nobody should touch this man or he will die. He's a guest here. We want him to be here. Isaac, you go do your thing. Now, pretty soon, you know what Abimelech's saying? We don't want you here. I told you you could stay and nobody should touch you, but you know what? It's time to go. And they begin to push you out and to push you out and to push you out. Because there's something that happened in the heart and they're just pushing away. So listen, when you're dealing with somebody who feels like you're pushing them away, don't first think, what did I do? First begin to say, Lord, what's happened inside them? Because the physical pushing away and the physical retreating almost always starts with an internal issue. It starts with a heart issue. Uh, Something's happened and I don't want to talk about it. I'm withdrawing. Or... You hurt me and I'm withdrawing. Or they're saying, I I can't handle you and I don't... You know what? Your family and your little perfect world, it really ticks me off. And it's just, you need to go. My family's a mess. My life is a mess. My marriage is a mess. And when I look at you, it just aggravates me. You just need to go. But it's not because you did anything wrong. It's not because you stepped on their toes but you are a constant reminder of their failures. You're a constant reminder. And do you know what they're doing? They're trying to fill in your well. In many cities, those wells were communal and the whole town would come and they'd have fellowship. 
as they would draw water. It was a place where strangers could come and water their camels or their flocks or whatever. But notice the heart of the Philistine that says, I'm not doing any of that. We're filling it in. We're going to make this useless. There's no more water here. But Isaac had a different idea. Isaac left. Notice he didn't cause a stink. He didn't say, hey, we had a contract. Hey, you said that I could. He didn't do any of that. He just said, you got to go away. And Isaac departed from there. He went to the valley of Gerar and he began to live there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham. Look at He knew where those wells were. He knew where dad had dug. And he said, I'm not going to dig new wells. There's nothing wrong with those old wells. I'm going to unstop those wells and I'm going to get it. Because again, they needed the water. It's not like they could just turn on a tap. He called them by the names which his father had called them. And Isaac's servant dug in the valley, and they found a well of running water. This is awesome. God is even blessing them here. They're in the desert, and they need water. Guess what God does? Why don't you dig there? And they did. I don't know if you've ever seen somebody dig a well, but it's not easy. Can I also tell you in this culture, to stop up somebody else's wells, could have been considered an act of war because this was like cutting off the flow of oil or finances. Water was the key to life in the desert. And whenever an enemy would move in, they would block off the wells of the people around them because they know, hey, you got no water. You've got a limited amount of time. We'll just wait you out. And notice that Isaac didn't consider this an act of war. He just moved on and he began to dig again. But guess what happens? They find this well of running water. Now the herdsmen of Gerar began to quarrel with Isaac's herdsmen saying, that water is ours. Now who, who dug the well? Think about this for just a minute. First of all, it's Abraham's well to begin with. Somebody else fills it in. Isaac comes along, who's his son. He's got the rights to this and redigs the well. But guess what Gerar says? That's ours. They begin to quarrel about that. You didn't dig the well. Why didn't you dig the well? Great question. But they begin to quarrel there. So Isaac named the well Essek, which means quarrel or argument. What do you do in an argument? How do you handle arguments? Are you the one that has to have the last word? And I've shared this before, but in my house where I grew up, you learned how to win the argument because you had to be the loudest the longest. But can I tell you that you never win those type of arguments? You may yell and scream and pout and slam doors and throw stuff, but you're still lost. Can I tell you one of the biggest ways you can hurt a church? Arguing. Quarreling. Biggest way you hurt your family? Arguing. Quarreling. Biggest ways to push away your friends? Arguing. Quarreling. Remember, blessed are the peacemakers. What does it cost you to forgive? Nothing. Jesus forgave us, right? 
How is it that we as forgiven people, He forgave all of our sin, all of our mess, all of our stuff, and even now, think about this, even today, it's going to have a little point on it for you this morning, but every one of us here, we know there's stuff that we're doing wrong and we do it anyway. It's not like we did it in accident. And God still forgives us. And yet when somebody does something to us and they push our buttons, and you know they push their button, it's on. And we're ready to fight now. But you know what he says? You can argue about this. You can quarrel about this. And Isaac dealt with this in a very incredible way. Very unlike how we deal with it today. How do you deal with arguments? Can I give you a hint? Decide not to argue. Did you know you have that choice? Because usually when you hear somebody say that, usually the next sentence is, yeah, but they started it. You don't know what they called me. Do you know what she said to me? Does it matter? Is there something that she said or did that can't be forgiven? It's a great question. Are you going to let a friendship of multiple years be broken because of a word or a tone or a misunderstanding? Are you going to push family members away because of an argument? You are blood. We have all been won and bought at a price by Jesus Christ. We give up that ability to have that type of pride that says, oh, you hurt my feelings. Hurt, yes, have your feelings hurt, and then forgive. And no, that's not easy. I'm not saying this is easy, but it's biblical. It's what is ruining relationships again and again and again. And we move to the next one, and now we're overly sensitive, and then they say something, and all they said was, I hope you're having a good day. What did they mean by that? I know she meant something by that. You know what she meant by that? You've been really cranky. I hope you have a good day. (laughs) And then we get offended, and we carry it around, and we carry it around, and we carry it around. And yet Isaac didn't do that. They began to quarrel. They said, that water is ours. There are people that want what you've got. That's just the way it is. And he called the name Essek. Then they dug another well. Look at this. You guys want it? Have it. Let it be a blessing to you. Have that well. I'll go dig another one. Isn't that amazing? Decided not to go to war. Decided I'm not going to quarrel. I'm not going to argue. You guys just have that well. I'm going to go dig another well. Now, the hard part, you think, is maybe digging the well. But it's not. They dug the wells. They had the water. What's the hard part? Dealing with the people. He goes and he digs another well. And guess what happens? Now, now remember, this is the man that God has blessed. Right? Well, if that's what you call blessing, I'm not sure I want this Christianity. Welcome to real Christianity. There is blessing and there's also conflict. And the conflict is there to teach us how to have grace. The conflict is there to teach us to forgive. The conflict is there to point us to Christ so we don't get self-sufficient. It's in those moments of conflict that we need God the most. 
And remember, it's a heart issue. Somebody calls you something, you choose not to respond, that's great, but how's your heart? Do they now get the silent treatment? Do you now keep smiling? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. But there's a strain, or has there really been forgiveness? Has there really been admission of, hey, that hurt my feelings, and let's work this out? Or do you want to have an argument? Or are you going to give them the silent treatment? Are you just going to cut them off? You can avoid them in the store. I've seen all that stuff. Even among Christians. And I'll tell you what, if, if it's you, it's time to grow up and it's time to ask the Holy Spirit to give you more power to overcome that stuff because I'm not going to live my life avoiding somebody at Safeway. I'm not going to give them that much rent inside my head. But I see it all the time. People that love, people that have hurt, people that have this, and I'll see them and they act. I mean, it's funny that people can lock eyes with you and then pretend like they didn't see you and they turn their little cart. So you know what I do? Because I can allow them, it's like I want them back and I've cleared the air. I do the opposite of how I feel. I walk right up to them. How you doing? And I love it because it clears me of any wrong and it really makes them uncomfortable. You see, because that's the moment for them that Christianity kicks in. Oh, hey, pastor, I didn't see you there. Can I tell you, you got to free that stuff out of your heart. If you're going to live on this planet, if you're going to enjoy heaven, if you're going to stay in a church, if you're not going to just move to the middle of nowhere and live by yourself, which God never called us to do, you're going to deal with difficult people and you're going to have to learn to clear out your heart so you can look at those people and no matter what they did, no matter what they said, no matter how they left you, you can say, how are you doing? And you're not trying to hurt them, you're not pointing anything, you're just asking, you're being civil, you're being a Christian. Don't fake it. Oh, it's been so long. Why don't we go out to lunch? Well, that would be very awkward. But you can still say, how are you doing? It's good to see you. I hope you get hit by a car. I mean, you can say all those things. But to avoid them, to start a squabble or to, or to slur their name on social media, come on, we're better than that. We better be better than that. We're better than that as Christians. We're better than that as people. We're better than that as people who represent Jesus Christ who refused to call the harlots harlots and the drunkards drunkards. He sat with them and pointed them to a better way. And that's why people love Jesus. He didn't ignore their sin. He just pointed them to a better path. And we should and can do the same thing. So, now they've been to quarreling. Now they move on to this next one. He says, they, now they name this sitna, which means accusations. You stole our well. That's our well. What's funny is that's the root word where we get the, the name Satan. Accuser. That's what Satan loosely translates, accuser of the brethren. They begin to accuse. You took our water. That's our well. What do you think you're doing over here taking our water? And notice how Isaac puffed up, called his servants and his armies together and said, all right, bring it on. But if you read the story, that's not what he did. He moved on. We'll find another well. Isn't this interesting? This is the blessed man 
that when God blesses him, it makes the people around him, it reveals their heart, and yet he just keeps moving. Abimelech says, you got to go. Okay. Goes to the first plane, the, the Philistines envy him. you got to go. Okay, we'll dig another well. Now we're on our second well. I've gone through the well of quarreling. I've gone through the well of accusation. And he doesn't give up. Look at this. He doesn't say, enough of this well digging. <laughs> Think about that. Now, don't we do that? Every time I dig a well, somebody has a problem with it. So what do we do? We stop digging wells. Every time I try to do something nice, it comes back in my face. I'm not doing anything nice again. Every time I try to help my friend with their marriage, I get this. I'm not doing that again. What if we've been placed strategically for exactly that role that we are called to keep digging wells? To bring that fresh water. The thing that was hidden, that God says that we have a river of life inside of us that's supposed to be bubbling up, right? A fresh artesian well of the Holy Spirit that pushes up and out that it washes that stuff away and we just go dig another well. Because the blessing's going to come, but the blessing isn't always on everything, every time, everything you touch. Sometimes you have to work through the difficulties and the difficulties are people. Yes, it's hard to dig that soil, but that was not the problem. They did that, did that again and again and again. The difficulty was the people. And let's be honest, that's the problem with the church, isn't it? The people. Because if there was no people, there'd be no problems. If you were the only one, you'd come into this building and go, nobody said anything bad to me? Nobody refused to shake my hand? Nobody looked at me wrong? Nobody... Sang too loud during worship. Nobody didn't pray for me. But you know what you'd say? I don't connect very well with that church. (laughs) And you'd find another church. And that one would have people. And then the game's on again. And you've probably heard that joke, but I think it's very poignant for today. Man was shipwrecked. Managed to get off the ship, floated for days to an island, and was there years and years and years. Finally, one day he sees a steamliner on the horizon and he sets off a signal flyer. They come, and they're like amazed. You, is that really you? You've you've been gone for seven years. We thought you were dead. And he takes him on a little tour and he shows him his house and he says, there's, there's my house. Like, it's amazing. He built that house and, and here's my church. I know I needed God, so here's my church. And they said, what's that other building? He's like, oh, that's my other church, but I left that church. There's nothing wrong with church, folks. It starts in the heart. We keep digging wells. Even if people want to fill them in. Even if people want to argue. Even if people want to quarrel. Even if people want to accuse. Our job is to dig the wells that keep our relationships rich and flowing in the Holy Spirit. 
It's too easy to back out. It's too easy to quit. It's too easy to pull away. Yes, you got hurt, but that doesn't keep you from digging wells. It's a process, and it's not easy. That's why we need the fruit of the Spirit. Self-control, and love, and joy, and peace, patience, and kindness, and goodness. No, 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 no. Because without those, you'll do your thing and you'll get hurt. I mean, just listen. If you're new here today, we love you. We hope that you stay. But there's going to be opportunity for you to get your feelings hurt somewhere along the way because there's people here. And two things I'll tell you. Expect that people don't always do the right thing at the right time. And then your heart won't get hurt. And second, if that's how you want to live, then live that way at work too. When somebody says something mean to you, I expect you to quit and never go back. And when you go to the next job and somebody says something mean to you, I expect you to quit and never go back. And blame God. Because that's what happens at church. But that's not what's supposed to happen at church. Let's move on. Let's not end on the the bad note. Let's end on the good note. They dug another well. That one they called Sitna because there was accusation. He moved on. What do you need to move on from? And I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about the hard feelings, the quarrel, the offense. The Is it time for you to move on? Is it time for you to dig another well? Is it? It takes some work. It takes some effort. But I think for some of you, you've got to stop whining about stopped up wells and it's time to dig them again. You've given up on prayer. You've given up on church. You've given up on family. You've given up on friendships. You've given up on something. It's time to redig the well. And I'm not saying it's easy, but it's what we're called to do. We need that water. Verse 22. He moved from there. He dug another well. So he's on well number three right now, right? And guess what? They didn't quarrel over this one. Woo! And he called its name Rehoboth because he said, Now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. Look who he gave the praise to. Who dug the well? How many did he dig? Did he blame God for the first two? I'll just move on. But when he actually comes to a place that is good, and he says, look it. I mean, now get me for a second. It may sound negative this morning, but we're talking about dealing with difficult people. He could have said, is he digging? Okay, where's all the accusers? Where's the quarrelers? Where's the... I I just know as soon as I dig this well, somebody's going to show up and have a problem with it. But you know what he said? He dug the well and he said, look it, a good thing happened. No quarreling, no accusation. The Lord made room for me. 
Those first two times didn't work out, but the Lord did make room for me. And now we can be abundant. Now I can be fruitful. Look at that. It took him a couple tries, but then the fruitfulness comes. Do you see what he's saying? God made room for us. Listen, if you can make room for people, you can be fruitful. If you can make room for the Holy Spirit, you can be fruitful. If you can make room for forgiveness, you can be fruitful. But sometimes it doesn't happen on the first couple tries. Sometimes you got to keep digging. And some of you have dropped the shovel. Some of you are afraid to dig again. Some of you are tired. And I get that. I really do. I've been there. But it's not an excuse to stop digging. 